Chapter 49 of On a Donkey's Hurricane Deck. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary. Chapter 49 How Donkey Pulls a Tooth by Mac Aroni. Of all tales, tis the saddest, and more sad because it makes us smile. Byron Contrary to the old saw, Misery Loves Company, Domfinio wished to be alone. She said she wanted to cry, but couldn't. She had the sympathy of all of us. Only those who have suffered can appreciate the sufferings of others. I never shall forget my profanity and the pain that prompted it when the too considerate professor consented to my electric bath. And now, with the same kind motives oozing out of his face, he introduced the sagebrush dentist to Domfinio. Dr. Arrowroot dropped his tool chest and, seizing his patient by the upper jaw with his left hand, and by the lower jaw with his right, said, Open up, madam, and proceeded to examine her molars. Locate the claim, doc? An onlooker asked facetiously. The doctor said he did, but no sooner began to dig than he was ejected. Then the tooth doctor called for volunteers to assist him. Every man not valuing his life responded. Two Mexicans held the remote end of a long pole and pried Domfinio's jaws apart, while several Indians and half-breeds braced against her sides to prevent her from kicking and falling. At length, Doc fastened his forceps on the ulcerated tooth and grinding his teeth and wrinkling his face, yanked with all his might. He might just as well have tried to pull a tree out of the ground. He rested a few moments, then sent for some hay wire and a lariat, and after wiring the lariat to the tooth, tied it to Domfinio's hind feet. We other donks were holding our sides. I thought I would bust. Then, when the patient was unbound, that cantankerous donkey's four legs were roped together to prevent further excavations in the local cemetery. There was performed the neatest, cleverest, most thoroughly successful piece of dental surgery I have ever heard of. That moaning old maid just kicked the tooth clean out of her jaw. And so help me, Balm, the root of all that evil was three inches long. Poor Domfinio was the last to realize that the trick had been accomplished and kept on kicking till she threw off the lariat and slung the molar halfway through the side of the store. When Pod showed her the tooth, she brayed for the loss of it, and as evidence of her ingratitude, the shrew turned to me and whispered, Mac, since I pulled my own tooth, 
how can that brutal dentist have the nerve to ask pay for it he got the nerve from your tooth like as not i said you once told me that the bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and in a jiffy don finio made for that innocent fleet-footed tooth doctor before pod could have time to settle with him before long i was leading the troop up the sage-covered mesa in step with don finio's mutterings when we arrived at billy joe's ranch billy was leaning on the picket fence in front of his back door his house was once turned around hindside foremost by a cyclone he was munching pine nuts and did not budge at first taking us for prospectors when pod introduced himself billy almost fell to pieces with surprise soon mrs jones came out and pod was almost persuaded to remain overnight but we did not tarry it was dark and misty rain threatened to descend any moment when darkness settled it was as black as egypt and almost impossible for me to follow the trail after a while a light could be seen through the mist pod said it must be the tibbets ranch house where he proposed to camp suddenly while chuckling over a joke we donks walked slam bang against a barbed wire fence throwing the men into a rage then i leading the way we followed the fence turned a corner round a barn and finally anchored at the back door of the house pod found the doorknob and made the ranchman's acquaintance while coonskin pitched the tent unpacked and picketed us donks then both men gathered firewood with which to cook mr t when once assured that pot was neither beggar nor tramp authorized us animals to be fed grain and hay but his wife said it was too late to prepare supper for the men this did not disturb pod for he soon had one prepared my that ranchman was close-fisted pod even had to pay for his kindling wood before starting the fire the old man was a plain-looking ruddy-faced englishman as snobbish as he was penurious but after a time he condescended to join the five in a postprandial smoke and not until it was pounded into his thick cranium that his strange guests were traveling like princes did he affect to be hospitable long before dawn our donkey manton song awoke the natives as well as our masters and pod issued from the tent half awake hardly in presentable condition to face madam t who was splitting wood while the old man looked on he now insisted on his guests taking breakfast with him and afterwards charged for the bacon eggs coffee and bread double the sum charged by other ranchmen previously the bill for hay grain and firewood was also presented and paid by the amused professor coonskin was rash enough to hint to mr t that by some oversight no charge had been made for water for our party drank lots 
but the Briton said no, he'd be generous. He accompanied us horseback four miles, nearly to the base of the mountain, where we turned to cross the pass, and on the way acquaint us with the superior advantages of country life in England, as compared with the disadvantages in America, and added that while a squatter in the West, he had for twenty-five years declined to be naturalized. The climb over the Antelope Mountains was slow and laborious. Across the flat valley beyond, mottled with sage and greasewood, alkali and sand spots rose the summits of the Kern Mountains. We trailed through scraggly groves of dwarf pines laden with cones full of tiny nuts, some of which the men gathered and munched unroasted. Coonskin said they were a dandy invention, just the thing to break the monotony of talk, for they kept the jaws at work just the same, and they were so hard to gather and shuck that a fellow couldn't eat too many to crowd the stomach. The valley was about ten miles broad. We crossed it and camped at the base of another range of mountains, near the V Sheep Branch. The boss was away but his genial wife and son were holding down the claim. They visited camp after supper, listened to the professor's marvelous tales, and next morning the good woman sent her son horseback to lead us beyond the point of conflicting trails to the entrance to the pass of Shelbourne. As the lad rode off, we donks joined in that pathetic hymn one more mountain to cross, just as a sort of parting serenade. The trail was smooth, but in some places almost obliterated. It was the old Pony Express trail of anti-railroad days. Sometimes it was steep, and we donks puffed like engines. There were the charred stumps of the telegraph poles that the engines burned to annoy Uncle Sam and occasional ruins of stone or adobe cabins or saloons, relics of those hot times of savages and firewater. Every time I saw one of them, I fell dry. By 11 a.m., we had crossed the summit and were resting near the great stone barn of Shelbourne. It is built strong, with sheet iron doors and shutters, and high enough to admit a stagecoach and four. When the engines used to get out for a little holiday sport, the stage, freighted with passengers, mail, and express, used to drive in at a 240 gate, and I've heard tell how the iron doors would shut and give a coach a friendly boost in the nick of time to receive on their armor a hail of leaden bullets or a shower of poisoned arrows. On reaching the plain, I heard my master tell his valet we would spend the night at Green's Ranch. I was glad, for I was hungry. The savory smell of the nuts the men chewed was tantalizing. Midway the plain we were stopped to enable Pod to empty a sackful of cones, which Cheese had threshed by his wibble-wobble motion, and to refill their pockets with nuts. At length, we arrived at Green's a half hour after dark. 
Here we donks were fed and watered. Then Coonskin proceeded to get camp ready for the night, while Pod made a fashionable call on Mrs. Green. And, well, he will tell you what happened. End of chapter 49 Recorded by Mary